This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Cyril with Insider Perks, uh, Modern Campground, I guess. But uh, here, normally, as always, with Kara Sismadia, co-host from the Canadian Camping and RV Council, she has just messaged me and said she's running a few minutes late. She's sitting in one of her many amazing board meetings that help further the industry here in Canada. So we're super excited to welcome her in a few minutes as soon as she finishes up that call. But in the meantime, we have a ton of awesome guests here. This is our kind of weird odd show that's our fifth week that happens on those months that have that extra Wednesday in it so we've got uh, not any recurring guests like you'd normally see on our show but we have a couple of super cool uh, special guests here that are primarily I think involved in the glamping industry but really from all corners of the world so really excited to let them introduce themselves and talk a little bit about glamping and camping and the things that are happening in their respective areas that we have uh, and I'm Definitely, we've already discussed this prior to the show airing. Going to mess up probably everyone's name here except Stephanie's. But Giacomo, did I get that right? Giacomo is from Italy. We've got Valentina from Serbia, Croatia. Leah is from Serbia, but not currently in Serbia. She's in Abu Dhabi. Did, did I get that right? Dubai. Dubai. All right. I'm just, I'm learning here. And then we got, I was at least regionally close. Right? Uh, and then I know. From I Illinois. The country, right? Yeah. So a little bit of credit, right? But super excited to hear their takes on their different glamping businesses, what they have going on. And I want to just really turn it over to them and let them foster a conversation, especially among Giacomo from Italy and Croatia and Serbia, just to hear about what's happening in those countries, because I feel like the majority of our audience is in the United States and Canada. And I feel we probably don't get as much exposure to that camping, glamping campsites market as maybe we should. Because there are a lot of lessons and takeaways that we can learn from people who are operating on the other side of the world, but do many of the things similar to us, and in some cases do them better. And so who wants to start? Anybody, any volunteers who wants to lead off? Or I can just pick someone if you want. I can start. All right. Good evening once again. Thank you for pronouncing my name correctly. As you rightly said, I'm originally from Serbia, but I'm Dubai-based. I've been living in and out of the United Arab Emirates, both Abu Dhabi and now Dubai since 2014. And back in 2019, I decided to go back home in Serbia and start the first ever glamping resort in the country. Again, just to brush up on what you just asked, what's happening in terms of camping or glamping in Serbia. We are talking about the south of Europe. So for those who are not really familiar with our part of the world, Croatia, and Serbia bordering Italy is obviously very close to, to us, to the Balkans. So it's quite nice that all three of us will have a chance to present and talk about what's happening in the industry in our respective countries. So going back to Serbia, I am the representative of the first ever glamping resort in Serbia that opened up only last year. And obviously we'll have a chance to talk about it a bit. To start with, glamping is at its start in Serbia. And the first ever glamping resort, as I said, was opened last year. It's called Lala Vineyard and 
quite an interesting one that combines a very nice nature-based lumping resort or vineyard-based lumping resort with wine-inspired experiences and programs. So we'll talk about it a bit later so I can give a chance to the others to present themselves as well. Giacomo, you want to go next? I'm Giacomo Zanna from uh, Rome, from designer and architect. I have um, a passion for uh, technology, and uh, I started uh, designing uh, with that. I thought of uh, architecture of the studio, architecture of films, like the architect, and so I can improve my skill to control the shape and, and the, the, the form. So my skill uh, improved uh, with the general and operated design. And uh, uh, all the skills transferred to the work. I start uh, with the popular retreat project that is uh, in Umbria, Mia uh, Spoleto. And I am the architect design manager of uh, this structure. So we opened one of the first clefing uh, in Italy with the geodetic dome, bathroom inside, uh, with a lot of method. And now we start with uh, uh, a new project that is uh, the glamping. In Italy, we have uh, a lot of uh, glamping, but there is uh, no unity. It's all a single element. So we try to, to start this uh, new business uh, for uh, planning uh, product sale from R&D of product. Uh, like we try to be uh, a new player in our country. We have uh, this very difficult contest because we have a lot of bureaucracy. So we have a lot of problem to install a, a, a glamping structure. Uh, there is a lot of law in, in Italy that uh, give us a, a lot of problem to improve. But uh, anyway, we are really proud about uh, our new project and we are uh, developing a new solution with a lot of R&D with the predicting and uh, with, with the AI to help us to find new solution for and for constructor system about blending. So we have our design deposited. We have a lot of new idea that we want to propose and share. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think I, I may be so bold as to say we all have problems that we're trying to solve, I think, in our respective countries. And I'm very excited to just talk to people who are trying to push that forward and trying to solve problems, because let's be honest, there are a lot of people who don't. So it's great to talk to a group of people here that are definitely trying to do that. Valentina, do you want to go next? Yes, thank you. So I'm Valentina Kozaric. I'm from Croatia. So I work in Camp Omisha, a front office manager. And Camp Omisha is on the island Turk. So it's uh, northern northern Adriatic Sea. We are we, this camp in this shape now is there from 2018, and from then we are every year we are trying to make something better and something different. We have at the moment 138 mobile homes, so it's uh, like a tiny home. You have inside two bedrooms, so one living room and the kitchen. And we have also in the campsite around 300 pitches. We call them pitches, but in the uh, U.S. 
that they told me it's Sai. So yeah. they are completely <laughs> covering. So if you have motorhome or a travel trailer, you can come to us. Or if you don't have anything, you can also come to us. And we have, so on creation or categorization, the highest level in camping, the biggest quality is if you have five stars. And we are one of the campgrounds with five stars. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank so you. So great to have you. I can't wait to talk more about your pitches. And you're all right. It's campsites or RV sites over here, but I like pitches better. So. Maybe we'll try to convince the Americans and Canadians over here to change their lingo. Can we do that, Kara? You're from the National. Welcome, Kara, from the Canadian National Association, who is my co-host here. Just to catch you up a little bit, Kara, we've got Giacomo from Italy, who has been working with Bubble Retreat and is an awesome designer of really cool 3D things that we're going to get into, some glamping designs and stuff like that. It's really forward thinking. We've got Olia, who is, let's see if I can get this right, originally from Serbia, but is now in Dubai. Wow, so I said Abu Dhabi the first time. Uh, and then we've got Stephanie, who still has to give her introduction in a second. Stephanie, we didn't forget you uh, from Illinois. And then we have Valentina, who just introduced herself. She runs a camping, what is it, wait, is it camping sites? No, they're pitches, but they're campsites is what you refer to yes. the campground. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, who runs a campsite that also has a little bit of glamping and accommodations in Croatia. So we've got a really good, cool little show here going on. I'm super excited to dive into this. But Kara is from the Canadian National Camping Association, Camping and RV Council. And so yeah. she kind of works with suppliers and glamping and campsites all over the country of Canada. So, yeah, but, I apologize. I apologize for being late. I'm very sorry. I actually was in an owner's campground owner's meeting in Nova Scotia this morning. So, yeah, lots of good stuff happening, but those meetings sometimes go a bit longer than we expect. No worries. Uh, let's uh, let Stephanie, before I forget, let's let Stephanie introduce yourself from Illinois. Stephanie, yeah. go ahead. Thank you. So I am at Camp Aramoni. We are a boutique campground and event venue in Illinois, United States. We have 11 glamping units. They are safari style tents that we worked with a company based in South Africa to bring in. We also have our event venue, which is located on the site of our former brickyard. So we renovated the entire property. There is about a hundred acres here and we do a lot of events, a lot of weddings and corporate retreats. So when they have their event with us, they can also stay on site in the 11 rooms. We're the first of our kind in Illinois, as well as kind of greater Midwest area. So we've seen really explosive growth this last year. We're about two years old now. So it's been super exciting. Awesome. So I think I want to start with you, Stephanie, just because you're in Illinois. And admittedly, I know, as I've told our guests before the show starts, I know way more about the glamping and camping industry in North America than I do yet, hopefully, as I continue to grow and learn in Europe and around the worst of the world. So I'm interested, one, how do you get into glamping first? And then two, what interests me too, is since we're talking about globally, how do you end up sourcing your glamping accommodations all the way from South Africa? Yeah, Camp Aramoni is my family's business. It was my mom's idea. And she had been on a farm that offered pretty primitive cabins and had a great experience there and wanted to bring something like that 
to our area, very popular state park. So there's a lot of tourists that come through this area. So once we have the property, she actually went to the glamping conference over in Colorado and she met with a lot of different vendors. She met Bush Tech Safari and the guys from there and the rest is history. And there was a second question, right? I already forgot it. <laughs> I mean, I think you maybe answered it with Bush Tech Safari, but how do you end up of all the, because I was just at the glamping show. I don't know if you're at the most recent one. And for those of you in Europe, there is a glamping show in the UK, but we're talking about the glamping America's one that mm -hmm. happens in Denver, Colorado every year has been going for about five years. But I don't know if you were at the most recent show, but there was, I think, to our count, 77 different accommodation types set up outside. So how do you go through all that and look at it and decide that Bush Tech Safari from South Africa are the people for us? I think just quality, seeing the construction of the tents, the materials that they use, and the success that they've had world, worldwide with other resorts. It was a pretty great partnership from the beginning. And we had concerns about winter because winter in Chicago is very cold. And they assured us that the tents would be fine. And we are now going on our second winter of them remaining up. We do have to close in the winter time. So our campground is seasonal, but they have withstood the temperatures and the horrible snow that we got. It was a good choice. And we've talked about adding on other accommodations to maybe some tiny houses next year so that we can remain a year-round business. And I guess that was my next question is what does the future hold for you? Because I do want to ask all of our guests that. I think we'll maybe start with the basics of what does camping glamping look like? And I'm just prepping our guests look like in your respective countries as it is. And then maybe we can transition a little bit into the future, which I know Giacomo is going to have a ton of awesome things to contribute to. But what does the future look like for you guys in an ideal world? Sure. So we had a very hard time, I would say, defining who we are. We started with the word glamping, and then we tried the word luxury camping. And now we're currently saying boutique camping. We provide all of their meals while they stay with us. So we definitely have an added level of service. The meals are included in their room rates. It's still camping. You're going to see some bugs. You're going to maybe be cold on a walk. So there's definitely those primitive aspects that we want to keep intact. And most of our guests are coming out of Chicago. And a lot of them have never built a campfire. They've never seen the stars at night without light pollution. So it's been fun to figure out what is boutique camping at Camp Baramoni. And I think now with a year and a half under our belts, we know what that means. The future for us, I think, has a lot to do with just creating great guest experiences. Like I said before, our event venue and our campground, they go hand in hand. So when we do have weddings, people are staying on site, the guests are having a whole weekend experience instead of just one day, a few hours at a wedding, they're getting to spend a whole weekend with the people that they care about out in nature, which people come here to feel unplugged from the city, and with those experiences, they, we want them to choose Camp Aramoni. And another thing would just be adding more accommodations. We're very small right now, with just 11 safari tents. So being year-round, having some structures that are available, I think will definitely take us to the next. I think you touched on something super important with respect to glamping or luxury camping or whatever you want to call it. It's something I kind of 
came to the forefront for me when I was at the glamping show recently. And there was people there from 37 different countries all around the world, including South Africa, but especially the UK. There was a big representation of companies and vendors who were coming across the ocean to, to market and bring their businesses into North America, which is in many respects far behind. What I think we, what stuck out to me is we've always referred to it in North America as glamping, but it's been in the UK for many years and they don't call it that over there. And I think one of the things that the industry is struggling with, at least in my view, and from the people I've talked to is what do we call ourselves? How do we label ourselves? Is it glamping? Is it luxury camping? Is it just camping? And I'm, so I'm interested to hear our guests take on that as we go forward too. Valentina, do you want to start? I think this is a, a good place to start with Valentina because you own both a campsite that has traditional um, recreational vehicle or, or camper van type sites. And then you also offer the accommodation. So how did you decide to add that accommodations piece or did that come at the same time? So I think that campgrounds in the U.S. and in Europe, mostly, I would say in what Europe, not just Croatia, are quite different because I researched something. <laughs> on the internet and I would say in U.S. that uh, campgrounds are more natural. In uh, Europe, in Croatia, we are more developing, I would say, luxury campings because we do not, there are, some campgrounds have these glamping tents, but more and more campground owners or companies they would like to have these tiny homes. We call them mobile homes. And at the beginning, we decided to put some mobile homes in our campsite and some, for sure, you have to have beaches because older people, for them, if you don't have beaches or just one area where they can put their third homes, it's not for them camping. But trains in Croatia, are now that uh, some companies who are uh, doing new campground, they are planning to, we have in Croatia, you have this mobile home and next to mobile home, you have private pool. That mobile home is in the first uh, row next to OC because mostly people coming is the main motivation for all the guests in Croatia who are going in campground, first motivation is sea. And unfortunately, the big offer in Croatia is quite long. It was just sun and sea, but now we have to develop and to offer more because each year they are expecting more and more and we have to have a lot of things to, they have to have a lot of things to do, but the camping industry in Croatia, it's one really growing industry. And I think in a few years, we will have a lot of luxury campings, not the glamping, just luxury campings. I think because, that, go ahead. Uh, can I, I, it's a quite different area because in U.S. people are living in really big cities and they are uh, looking forward to go in nature. 
And in Croatia and in Europe, the main motivation is the sea and sun. We are family, I would say family camping, because our main guests are families with small children up to, I don't know, 14, 16 years old. And in the peak season, mostly older people from Germany and Austria, they like to have some more quiet. And in September, October, the weather is nice, still nice. And it's not cold, but it's a big challenge for everyone in Croatia to give to the guests what they are asking. Yeah, I think in many ways, we are a little bit similar in that we, you're right, that you're right that you did that research and there are a lot, and maybe Kara can talk about this too in Canada. There are a lot of, there's a lot more land over here in the United States and Canada, first off. And that I think allows us to have a greater diversity of camping experiences than Europe would by just the very nature of there's so much extra space to put everything. And so you're right, we do have a lot of rustic style experiences that are in Canada and the United States, but we also do have those luxury camping resort experiences too. We have, we do marketing for campgrounds that have huge water slides and wave pools and hundreds of cabins and all kinds of entertainment at their properties too. I would say that those are definitely in the minority, but you're right, they are growing just like you're indicating that they're growing in Croatia. And I think there's a lot of similarities there. More people are interested in getting outside. People's expectations of that are, as you indicated, changing. As we move forward, I've been and done this. Now I maybe want to do that again, but add something to it. Or and it's really fascinating to me to hear that they just want to go by the sea. I think that would be the behavior to go by the sea in the United States, except the sea sometimes is really far away, depending on where you live in the United States. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's really interesting to note that there's some interesting parallels around demographics, specifically the family, giving to the family dynamic and things like that. We're seeing that all of that stuff over here for sure too. But yeah, we do have significant advantage in terms of tangible space to spread out in. And that does provide us with a variety of landscapes and things to go and seek out and see, right? You can plan a trip around going to the Rocky Mountains or seeing Cape Breton or there's so many different natural landscapes and that allows us to have a ton of diversity that way. But I think overall, we have a, a lot of more similarities. Typically, campers want to be outside. They want to experience nature and disconnect from the chaos of the world. And great or interesting to me to, to hear that's the case all over the globe. All right, as always happens during our show, Kara, there's something crazy that has to happen, and that is that it is negative 18 Celsius here in Calgary, and yes. my dog needs to go out right now, apparently. She's decided to do that. So I'm going to turn it over to Olya for a second, because Olya, and I'm going to be listening, and I'll be right back in a second, but I'm really interested to hear how living in Dubai, being from mm -hmm. Serbia, but what made you decide to go back to your roots, so to speak, and begin a glamping business in Serbia? 
Yeah, I literally don't know where, where to start now because through the previous presentations, I picked up on a couple of things that I really want to expand on as well. So I'm just going to go back to your question first. I've been living in the United Arab Emirates since 2014. And then about 2016, actually the UAE and Dubai in particular started developing glamping resorts on the northern side of the Emirates. And now you guys might not be aware, but the United Arab Emirates has actually seven different Emirates. They're like a small republics, independent, but then joined in together. And the northern Emirates are quite nice. They're quite rocky. There's quite, they're quite mountainous. There are different landscapes. There's a bit of desert and it's quite nice. They started investing a lot in tourism. And one of the that really high, obviously, is Russell Kaima as well. So they started developing all these different things. And it's quite an idea for me personally, thinking about my own homeland, which is Serbia, and the nature we have and camping industry, camping and boat glamping, now talking about both. And I, I do think there's quite a lot of difference between the two. And I'll expand on that a bit later. Um, I realized that we really haven't done much. Now, Serbia is not naturally a destination that you think of going on your holiday when the summer comes or in the autumn or whatever. Now, obviously, due to our own fault, we never considered tourism as, as an industry that is important, for, uh, important enough for us to focus on. But that's changing. And that's the whole beauty of this story. We finally started, all of us, collectively, we started investing in tourism. So there's a lot of projects. There's a lot of people being developed at the moment. And not only hotels but a whole new destinations are being activated recently. The east of the country is getting quite a lot of support from the government. And obviously, the government is really trying to, to push forward and to put us on the map of the world travelers. Now, see my background is tourism, hospitality, and event management. And as I was living in Abu Dhabi previously and here in the United Arab Emirates, as I said, having witnessed the rise of glamping here in the country, I thought, why wouldn't we in Serbia do something about it? Because clearly we have something to show to the world. And I know people will be happy to come and explore our nature that is completely untouched. And not only that, the world travelers didn't know and they were not aware of the natural beauties that Serbia has to offer, but not any Serbians were aware of the natural beauties we have in our own country. Obviously, the idea was forming in my head and I did a lot of research. I was following up on the projects, not only here in the UAE, but also globally. And I was obviously, Croatia is a big, big tourist destination that the entire region Valentin, your colleagues have done an amazing job to really put your guys out there on the map and we all look up to you. Yeah, I was following up on the developments in Europe, in Australia, in Africa, in the States as well, and decided to move back, to go back home and open this or create, design, develop, and finally open the first glamping resort. Now, just to put things into perspective and to continue from what Valentina was talking about earlier about behaviors of the travelers that go into Croatia, Croatia has a beautiful coastline. It has one of the most beautiful coastlines in the world. Serbia, quite contrary, is a landlocked. We don't have a sea. And so from the early starts, I knew I had to think differently and think completely out of the box and really focus on the nature outside of the sea, sand and sun because we simply didn't have it. We did, however, have a lot of national parks. There's quite a lot of wine producing that was back in old Yugoslavia was quite significant. 
on a world scale. And while producing recently, and recently I really mean 10 to 15 years back, started really growing in, in Serbia, due, not only due to the climate changes, but also we have quite a lot of history there. So the first vineyards were actually planted by Romans, of course, Giacomo died. We were the part of Roman Empire and the soldiers from Roman Empire actually planted the first vineyards in, in the territory that is presently under Serbia. I've decided to go back. So I formed this idea and moved back to the country with the idea to, to actually, before we even, my husband and I, before we even started with, the, with this first resort, we wanted and we set an aspiration to become an international glamping developer and operator. Now, we've only chosen Serbia because that's where I'm from as our first location for our first resort. We obviously, like Giacomo was talking about earlier, it wasn't without hurdles. Being the first one or being the trendsetter always comes with strings attached and we had to overcome a lot of hurdles to get the project off the ground in a country that pretty much nobody actually knew what glamping was. So from the early on, even while we were still doing, while we were still in construction, obviously we started with our marketing, with our promotion, with our social media, with our website, and we had to educate, first of all, we started from local customers, obviously. We started, we had to educate the local guests, local future guests, what glamping actually was, what we're trying to say, what we are trying to achieve there. And we called the brand that we created is called Lala Vineyard. Lala is a Serbian name for Tulip, and it's a glamping resort based on the winner. It's a glamping resort that is based on sustainability, on local experiences, and more importantly, based around wine production and local wine experiences. So we, are, we started very small as the first glamping resort in the country. We just had to because we wanted to take that gradual approach to the growth and kind of while educating the market, continue developing. So at the moment, we have four supply tank units, each one with ensuite bathroom. We have an infinity saltwater heated pool overlooking the river. We are blessed to have the river Danube flo um, floating through Serbia. And we are actually based in the most important wine growing region in the country. So the mountain we are on is called Trunska Gora. I know quite a lot of very difficult names to pronounce and I'm not expecting you to, to remember all the brand. I might have a little quiz for you at the end. <laughs> Um, I can't so look any worse than I normally do on every other show. So anyway, so we've, we've really decided to put our flag down, as I said, to this most important wine growing region and to base our activities around very sustainable and local experiences. So that's quite important to us. Now, talking about demographics and the traction that we had, to my surprise, obviously, bear in mind, we've opened in 2021. Corona was still present. There was quite a lot of challenges on the world travel scene already. A lot of people were still stranded. A lot of restrictions were still imposed on international travelers. Even in those conditions, we managed to attract, even in the first year of operation, we managed to attract 30% of international travelers. And when I say 30% of international, I really mean it. Everywhere from Canada to the States, to South Africa, to Australia, and everything in between. And the feedback was amazing. And interestingly, um, it we actually attracted similar to what Stephanie was talking about earlier. So you guys are close to Chicago, so you have the Chicago as your uh, main market. It was quite similar uh, for us. So in a po in still a pandemic world back in the last back in last year, people were really out going the nature to spend time in the nature 
but obviously without sacrificing all the commodities that are used. So they didn't want to sacrifice or they didn't want to go into a facility that doesn't have a bathroom or they didn't want to be disconnected. They wanted to be still connected and have Wi-Fi. They wanted to have nice facilities and the pool. So we had a lot of people coming to us just because we had all of that. So we had, we have Wi-Fi, we have a pool, we have really nice luxuries and safari tents with bathrooms. And obviously sustainability, sustainability was quite an important factor for, for us from the beginning. So we went far and beyond making sure that because we are the first lumping resort in the country, we really wanted to make sure that we do it right. So from the start, we've invested quite a lot of funds through a development phase to make sure that we are sustainable, that we are re recycling our water, that we are treating our wastewater so it could be reused for irrigation and so on. So there's a number of initiatives that we introduced there. But yeah, talking about demographics, we've realized that our biggest markets are actually big urban centers, not only our capital Belgrade, but also big urban centers from around. So we had people from London, we had people from Paris, we had people from Dubai as well, we had people from Sydney. So all of these big urban areas, travelers who really wanted to escape into the nature, have a real true local experience, and they really enjoyed staying with us. Will you talk a little bit for me, because it interests me specifically, but I've heard it from other businesses, both in glamping and outside glamping, especially at this glamping show we just went to in Colorado, they were talking a lot about off-grid sustainable solutions. This is important to me personally, but talk a little bit about the benefits yeah. you see, not just from an environmental standpoint, but from a, from a business standpoint, mm -hmm. doing some of those things. It's, I think travelers are becoming sustainable friendly as well. And especially after the pandemic, I think we all started to question our, our holiday decisions as well. Are we right in going to a cruise ships? Is the cruise ships good for the environment? What are we actually doing to make this world a better place? And then you all remember drone videos of cities that, that were completely empty during COVID times. And, and then we had a bit of more snowfall and everybody was started questioning whether the temperatures and the winter and the amount of snow we were having in our ski centers was directly linked to a reduce, reduce traffic and not so many planes flying during those years. So I, I think we all, I, I kind of hope that we all uh, started to question our decisions and our impact on the environment, not only uh, in our present lives, but especially when we are traveling, when we are flying, uh, how we are flying, how are we getting to destinations, where are we staying, are we eating local food or are we uh, tours, are we actually contributing to local economies or are we not? So going back to your question, um, I think it's not cheap. It takes a lot of efforts and a lot of funds to produce or to create sustainable, environmentally friendly environment when it comes to glamping. I'm going to, I'm going to talk only about glamping now because we are not really yeah. so much into it. And I'm going to, I'm going to take it from my own example. So for instance, what was really important to us was to make sure that we absolutely minimize the use of the concrete wherever and whenever possible. So did also being local, being in Serbia, being landlocked, being in a country that is not so popular as a travel, as a destination, tourism destination. We really wanted to showcase the true, or as I like to put it, charmingly local elements to our travelers. So when they come and stay with us, they go home and they bring those memories that they only have if they were with us in Serbia. But more importantly, from the early beginning, we were not only developing Lala Vineyard as a glamping, but we were developing really a community around us. And purposely, we have not designed ourselves as all-inclusive pink resort. We said, okay, we're going to provide you a breakfast. We're going to provide our guests breakfast because you're hungry in the morning. You need to make sure that you're fed. But we really want you to go and explore. We want you to 
first of all, try some local cheese and meats and milk and eggs from the farm that is right next to us. We only serve local wine that is sourced in 50 kilometers around, around where we are. We have a really good cooperation with small suppliers around our location, being that that supply experiences or they have a farm so they can force riding experience or obviously being in a most important wine producing region in the country. We have a cooperation with over 12 really and top, five top quality boutique wineries around us. So everything we do serves not only for our own promotion, but really for promotion of a destination and that entire ecosystem because then we talk about slope tourism and we talk about sustainability, really. Giacomo, I'm so sorry it took me 40 minutes to get to you. And I really want to keep asking all of you questions for probably hours. But I know especially Olia is up super late and we appreciate your being here. So uh, I don't want to take more than my allotted hour time. But Giacomo, it really is interesting to me what Olia is talking about and some of the other people are as well. We struggle to define this word glamping. But I think it really is more about the experiences, at least it is in North America. And from what I think Olia just described, it is the difference of something that really stands out to the guest, to the consumer. And whether that is arranging local travel with horse, horseback riding or hiking or all-inclusive, if that's what your thing is. So many different ways that you can do this, sustainability being another one. Just something that really sets you apart, sets the guest experience apart. I think is what really is going to help drive this industry to even further heights, whether it is in the UK where they're ahead of us or in North America or Croatia or Serbia, where we're just getting started in this. But Giacomo, talk specifically about, and I know your expertise is more in the design of, you know, what caught my eye first and why we reached out to you with some of those amazing designs that you have with 3D printing and technology of what glamping accommodations or experiential hospitality might look like in the future. And I think just as much as sustainability is and local curation is and experiences are, I think that experience is where I'm staying, what my accommodation looks like, how it's designed. So touch on a little bit about what you do and where you think the future of glamping is going. But, but um, we must start uh, initially we have this big problem about uh, law. We have an international, uh, national uh, legislature, but uh, it was not raised from a region and the municipality. So uh, we are moving in this, in, in this context. We can do only temporary structure with no foundation. And so we have uh, a lot of limits uh, to move. In, uh, in this context, as Olaya are saying, the sustainability upgrade solution and the inspiration of uh, this structure uh, will be the future of development. And we are trying to use uh, this new technology. So the, the grid must be uh, it's, uh, like a tra traditional construction. So in Italy, we can't use uh, this technology to make a tiny house or uh, something similar because we need a lot of authorization that can be done. And, uh, I think that we must, uh, before Italy uh, solve this problem, then we can start to use this new technology. But anyway, we are trying to do the best uh, with uh, what I have, uh, what we have. is giving us a lot of a solution about this temporary structure. Uh, we are all inside, so we are developing a platform with all, 
or inside. So insulation, we have a heating system and an infrared system to extend the, the season and to guarantee to work all the year. We are also uh, working on the design of this exterior, but yeah, this is our, our vision need, need to solve this problem. Uh, we have this problem. So <laughs> we hope that we can work together also outside Italy to, to propose our solution and our idea and technology about planting. In Italy, we have an extraordinary contest about the nature. We have in the center of Italy, uh, there are a lot of regions in which nature win. We have also Tuscany, but in Tuscany, the nature was untrovided. We don't have the infrastructure, the hospitality infrastructure. So the glamping solution uh, will be the future of alternative hospitality. And I would say uh, about this, uh, we are living in a totally uh, new uh, revolution. The AI gives us a, a, a new opportunity to disrupt uh, the creative process as uh, we know. We, we are living in a, a, a really revolution because uh, uh, this technology will change all and give us uh, this opportunity. So in the graphic field, we can find a new solution as you say, Brian, uh, we can find uh, an unbelievable uh, shape uh, and design uh, for our structure. This perspective and uh, give us the opportunity to go ahead with, with a great future for the GLED. One of the things that is interesting to me, and I remember reading, just because you were talking about temporary structures in Italy, just start there briefly. One of the things I remember reading about 3D printing specifically, and maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, and maybe you don't, maybe you're more of a design than the actual execution of it. But I remember reading that NASA in space at the International Space Station will 3D print tools, and then they will recycle them and print them into new things. Is that something that could work in a temporary structure basis? Or is that not ready for large-scale projects yet? Yeah, there, is, there are a lot of unbelievable solutions about 3D printing. And in, in Italy, uh, we developed a house, a, a tiny 3D printed with the, the, the material that you can find in place. So this is the revolution. You, in America, in the Virginia University, you have developed a solution with the seed inside the 3D printing and the health inside the, the object. So when the building is finished, it will, uh, will become green. The green of the building will change as uh, a green element. There are uh, a lot of, of examples of uh, how this technology will help uh, us. But uh, yeah, in Italy, we need the <laughs> First, to solve this, this issue the, about the legislature, and then we want start to 3D print to improve this glamping solution with this uh, technology. That's one of the things I think that fascinates me most about this is admittedly over here in North America, there's very little understanding of how far advanced 3D printing already is. We did have a vendor or a supplier who showed up at the glamping show who was focused on 3D printing in concrete, which obviously isn't, as we've discussed before, the most sustainable solution or the one we'd probably like to see long-term. But I think just taking recycling one step further, whether it's the recycling that gives us the sustainability, 
or whether it is the ability, we've looked at all your designs that you did on LinkedIn. Again, we've talked about those unique structures, but the ability of using that technology to adapt our own businesses to suit a consumer who, as Valentina said, is always adapting and changing and wanting something different. I think 3D printing fills that void too, doesn't it? Because you can change, you can adapt, you can modify, yeah. you can recycle, build something totally new the next month. This is the real skill of the 3D printing. You can integrate a design when you build your house you for your wall. You can work uh, the surface as you want. You can be, uh, you can create a natural surface as a, as a, as a tree or as a leaf. You can, this technology gives us a lot of uh, new solution and uh, totally innovative. In Dubai, uh, there were, there, there were the expo this year and uh, an Italian uh, company, 3D print a pop-up store uh, uh, for the ore. And uh, all the scheme of the building is designed with the motive of the ore. So you can find a 3D uh, effect with the Dior pattern. I think that this is an unbelievable skill of 3D printing. Uh, you can have any shape. Uh, uh, you want so this is the real yeah as you say this is the one of the best skill of the 3d print this flexibility without at the cost you need only to design and you have no cost for uh, realize the machine make only a different movement but it's the same machine you have no cost to add yeah i think that is a great thing and again, I think I could talk to you all for hours, but we've only got, I think, six minutes left now in the show. But yeah, all that stuff really fascinates me. And I definitely want to check in with all of you again in 2023 and see maybe we can allow some more time to dive into exactly what's happening in your respective countries. And especially with Giacomo, not to pick on any of you else, but I'm really a geek and just super fascinated by what he has to say with 3D printing and things like that, because I think it's really going to change for owners and operators of both glamping and campsites and pitches and campgrounds and whatever you want to call them all over the world, the ability for us to offer these amazing experiences in Croatia, you can print a shipwreck that you can stay in by the sea. In Serbia, you can print a wine glass that they can stay in. Just the amazing experiences that you're going to be able to create with this technology. And it is not that far off. It is here already. And I think it's really going to be amazing to see what some innovative people can come up with. Definitely. So let's do this for the last five minutes. Let's say any final thoughts, we'll go around the room and then say, maybe we'll put you on the spot and say, what would you invent if you had a 3D printer sitting right next to you for your accommodations right now? Valentina, do you want to go first? I have to think about you. Let me give you a chance to think. I'll give you a minute to think and tell yes. you, okay. here's what I've talked to. And this is maybe something that Stephanie can use too, but she can feel free to give her own idea. We've talked to clients about putting up unique glamping experiences with the recycling that it, once it can be scaled outside of major cities for things like sporting events to where you can print during football season and football, not soccer, NFL, American football, putting up helmets and then 
recycling those and maybe you can stay in a basketball during basketball season or you can stay in a baseball bat during baseball bat season and you can print these and design them that are you know on temporary structures they don't require that infrastructure and you can put them near where these fans will go tailgating and want to have these unique experiences so that's one example that i'm interested to see if anybody comes up with but valentina did that give you enough time Uh, I was saying that we could print something. I don't know. At the moment, we are, we do not, we have some playgrounds, but I would like to have a big playground with the castle for children because we have really a lot of children in the campground. We have also, didn't say that, we have a little farm in our campground and it's really interesting for the children and the little lake. And it would re be really nice to build, to print a big castle next to this farm where children can play over there. That's the thing I'm missing in our camp. You're not wrong because there's actually, and I'll give you guys something to check out. There's an amazing guy I've been talking to that needs to be on the show. And it doesn't have to do with 3D printing, but his name is Tyson. And he runs a company out here called, in Canada, actually, about an hour from me, called Charmed Resorts. And he's basically taking experiences like castles and from the fairy tales, and he's creating these amazing, unique glamping accommodations. And they're not 3D printed. They're really unique, like bell and rumple stilt skin and all kinds of things like that. And so I think you're not, like, that's very reasonable, not just for a play structure, but imagine people's kids and families staying the night in one of those things. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Stephanie, do you want to go next? Do you have any ideas for? I don't have any specific ideas. I think it's exciting to consider how it'll affect the cost of everything. Just adding more accommodation and hopefully being more cost effective. I think that's something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're not wrong there either, because I think the 3D printing, as we've seen, is already more affordable than a lot of places. And you don't have to have the shipping costs at least that come with it here, I know for a lot of providers in the United States and Canada. And so I think that's going to level the playing field a lot too. Olia? Definitely. Maybe not necessarily a 3D printing is an answer to this, but you mentioned earlier off-grid solutions. I would love to see a solution that is actually proven and viable, and especially when it comes to heat, the colder climates. Now, Stephanie can probably relate to that as well. Our winters are quite harsh too. <laughs> So we would love to see a solution, whether 3D printed or some other technology that can actually solve a problem of seasonality and really help us out on a more sustainable way to heat our resorts. Well, I think there's opportunities for us to continue working together all around the world on innovative solutions like that. I'm actually Kara working at the Canadian Camping and RV Council. As I said, when I let my dog out, it's negative 18 Celsius here today. So our winters are kind of old too. I feel like Chicago's really got nothing on us. Yeah. It's very interesting <laughs> because I think if we can solve that problem and whether that's through somebody that ends up being a supplier or a vendor in Canada or somebody who comes up with a unique solution in Serbia or Croatia or anywhere else around the world, that is something that the whole world can benefit from. Definitely. Giacomo, any final thoughts? What would you, what, Giacomo, that's a good question for you too. What would you build? If you could build anything right now, what design is your favorite? Uh, which kind of building I would build? 
Whichever one you want, you tell us. The sky's the limit. I think that the best solution is that the interaction be, between the natural and the building with strong. I love this dysmorphosis between nature and the traditional building. So I think that if we, if we, we found a solution in which our object, our tiny home, will be integrated into the nature, we, we, we do a good job. And the great experience also for the customer, because uh, how to be to, to dream into a, a mushroom shape, a funny house, or I think that it can be a, an extension of uh, the experience of uh, the glamping. The glamping is a natural experience. So if we give <laughs> More and more of these experience with the great team. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it too. And all those kinds of unique designs, seeing how it comes. We're already over. Kara, do you have any final thoughts before we let all these amazing people go who have given their evenings to us? Except uh, no, for, I, it's a bit over day yeah. for her. So for her too, yeah. No, thank you guys so much for your time and apologies again for being late and missing out on some of this great conversation. I'm excited to listen back myself and hear what I missed. So great, like I said, to to see trends and, and things happening around the world that really mirror what's happening here and also gives us tons of inspiration and, and cool new stuff to take forward into the future. Thanks. Thanks for your contribution awesome. to the industry. Thank you, everybody, again. Yeah, please stay in touch with us. We definitely want to learn from you, from your experiences. We want to cover you and share your experiences, as you've all mentioned. We've had guests here in the United States and Canada, so we'd love to write about you in Modern Campground. We'd love to tell your stories of your respective colleagues and businesses and suppliers and all those kinds of things. So again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Giacomo, Olia, Valentina, Stephanie, Kara, as always, really appreciate you guys. And we'll see you guys next week on another episode of MC Fireside Chats. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.